Welcome to the Amherst Wesleyan Church Sermon Podcast. So today we are digging into the book of Numbers. So that's in the Old Testament. Way at the at the start, uh, uh, it's one of the first books of the Bible. Uh, you can find it in the Old Testament. If you get the Bible app, you can look it up just by typing in the word Numbers. Um, you can Google it, Numbers uh, 13, or you can get out your physical Bible, and if you, you can flip through it and find the book of Numbers, or you can just go to the front and go to the table of contents and find Numbers. And then we're looking for chapter 13 and 14, so that's big Numbers 13 and 14. And we're looking at a story that spans these two chapters, and uh, we're going to be—I'm going to be reading a couple verses here and there through these through these chapters to give a bit of the story, and then I'm going to kind of give a summary narrative of of what it is, and and we're going to spend some time looking at it, examining it, and figuring out what does it mean for us, and why does why does this matter? So, in Numbers uh, chapter 13, we have this situation where the Israelites have, have left Egypt. God sent Moses and Moses uh, went to the Israelites and the Israelites were slaves in Egypt and God used Moses to set the people free and they escaped Egypt and they were set free and then they were on their way to the home of Abraham, their ancestral promised land. And they hadn't been there for hundreds of years it was now time for them to go back and reclaim their home and to reestablish them and really to establish themselves as a nation. And so God liberated them uh, from Egypt as slaves and they were on their way to the promised land. And God, God had told them that when you get there, I'm going to give this land to you. And then right before they enter that promised land, this happens. So this is uh, Numbers chapter 13, uh, verses 1 and 2. It says this, The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, the promised land, which I am giving to the Israelites. He makes that promise. I'm giving, them to the, giving this to the Israelites. Uh, From each ancestral tribe send one of its leaders. Okay? Then when we jump to chapter 14, uh, in verse 7, we, we hear, we see this happen. Uh, <clears throat> and they said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. So the spies are giving the report. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone. But the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. And then in 31-33, it says this. 14-31-33, it says, As for your children that you said would be taken as plunder, I will bring them in to enjoy the land you have rejected. But as for you, your bodies will fall in the wilderness. Your children will be shepherds here for 40 years, suffering for your unfaithfulness until the last of your bodies lies in the wilderness. And then in 40 to 41, it says this. Early the next morning, they sent out for the highest point in the hill country, saying, Now we are ready to go up to the land the Lord promised. Surely we have sinned. But Moses said, 
Why are you disobeying the Lord's command? This will not succeed. Okay, well, I know I, know I jumped around a lot there, and it, it seemed to be very positive, really good, and then it got weird, and then it got really bad there. Um, this is basically what happens, is, is through this story and what those verses touch on, is that the Israelites, they, they send 12 spies into the promised land to check it out, like God commanded. They go, they check it out, they see that it is a great place, they have tons of resources, tons of good land, tons of, of opportunity there, but there are, there are challenges. There are big challenges and obstacles in the way. And they come back and two of the spies, a guy named Joshua and a guy named Caleb, are saying, no, God, is, this is a great place and God has promised this to us. He has been explicit about that. He has promised this to us. We should go and take it. That, if He's going to make a way. And the other ten spies are like, nah, I don't, I don't think so. We can't do it. We're going we're gonna to die. What ends up happening is all the people of Israel end up siding with the ten who are doubting God's promise. And they rebel against God and they say, no, we can't do it. You, you brought us here. We're, we're going to fail. We're going to die. This is going to be a big issue. And God gets angry. He says, fine. If you're not going to go up, you're not going to go up. You're not going to get it. Because you've had two of you who have who have honored me. I'm going to give the land to them and to your kids, but you are going to wander in the desert for 40 years until all of the adults, all the decision-making people, all the people that are old enough to make the decisions, all of you are dead. And your children will have to wander in the desert for 40 years. They could have grown up in the promised land, but they're not going to. They have to wander in the desert for 40 years and then get it. And then it kind of sinks into the people and they're like, oh no, what, what kind of dumb decisions have we made? Let's go, okay, fine. You've made your point. Let's just go up and take it. And God says, no, you missed your chance. You lost it. You lost your shot. You can't go up. The deal is done. You had your opportunity. You didn't take it. You doubted it. You missed your opportunity. If you go up now, you're going to fail. The decision is made. And they try it, and they're defeated, and they end up wandering in the desert for 40 years. I think there's a lot of stuff that we can learn from, the, from this story. And um, a lot of it has to do with the promises that God makes to us. Now, sometimes there are promises that we personally receive from God. And, and sometimes those promises are things like stay in your job, uh, stay exactly where you are because I'm going to work things out. Or it might be, uh, no, you need, to, you need to leave your job. And when you take the chance and leave your job, I'm actually going to miraculously provide the new opportunity. Or he might be saying, you need to go to so-and-so and ask for forgiveness. And if you do that, I will bring restoration to that relationship. Or... Or I want you to give and then you'll actually have financial relief. Or, or you, need to, you need to stop hanging out with these people and then you'll find freedom. Or it could be any number of things that, that God can, can be putting in your life and asking you to do. And he can sometimes make them directly to you about you and say, If you do this, I will provide 
this. And so sometimes we have those personal promises that God makes to us and things that he says to us. And sometimes those are general promises that he makes to all humans that says, if you confess your sins, I will forgive you of your sins. Great. And so we have those personal promises. But then there are also promises that God makes to us as a people. And those, or as groups, and those can be promises to your family, or promises to your church, or promises to the community. And some of those are, are big, kind of general purposes, where promises where God says that if you, if you as a group humble yourselves and pray, I will hear from heaven, I will heal your land. That's in, that's in Chronicles. And he makes that promise to us. Um, but and sometimes they're more specific. Uh, they may be, um, I want you to sell your house, and then I'm going to give you and your family a different house, a better house, one that better meets what I have you called to do and to be, and you'll be able to be better set up to, to make a difference in the world. Sometimes it's, I want you as a church to hire this full-time guy, and because you're obedient, then I will provide the money for it. Or... I want you to start up this new ministry. And then you'll reach people. Or he may be saying, I want you to stop doing those things. I want you to stop doing those ministries. And by stopping those ministries, you'll actually reach more people than, than you were reaching in those ministries. Sometimes it's you as a church need to accept responsibility. Or you as a group, a family, or a community need to accept responsibility of something. And you need to confess it and repent of it. And then you'll have, you'll have healing. Sometimes he's saying, I want you as a group, I want you to give some of your resources away. And then I'm going to do miracles. And those are just examples, right? Most of those I'm just making up off... Uh, I'm just making up, right? There, there's nothing. Uh, don't overthink it. Don't, uh, don't take all those things and saying, well, those are specific promises that God is giving you. Not, well, not necessarily. Those are just examples. But sometimes God gives us these promises for groups. And how it, how it works, well, if, it's, if it's just a personal promise, then it's up to, it's up to you. If, if you're faithful and you do what God calls you to do, then if you're faithful and you do it, and you're obedient, then God fulfills the promise. But it's a little bit more complicated when it's a group, because it's not just one person. We've got to go there together, as, as you see in the story of the Israelites. And that means that if we go, and we accept this promise, and we see what God is calling us to do, and we accept it, and we as a group are obedient and we go there and we do what he's calling us to do, then he fulfills a promise. But if only some of us, or a few of us, accept a promise and are obedient, well, those few that are faithful may end up seeing the promise fulfilled but it probably won't be right away it may never happen the Israelites had to wait 40 years for it to happen 
And there were a lot of people that never saw it. It was only their kids that ended up seeing it. And the other factor, the other aspect dynamic of this is that if we not only doubt God's promise and aren't obedient, but start grabbing people and convincing them to doubt and not be obedient, then there is the reality that not only will we not see the promise, but we will be removed, taken out of the picture, and we may never see that opportunity again. That's the thing, personally or as a group. That sometimes when God gives us a promise, this is our only shot to see it. Now sometimes, sometimes God is very gracious and He gives us another opportunity later on. Sometimes He, he just blows us away with His grace. But that's not guaranteed. Sometimes God gives us a promise. And now is the time to be faithful and follow through. Because we may never get another opportunity to do it. We may never get another shot. This, is, this, I think, is our lesson. Now is the time to be faithful and follow through. Because we may never get another chance. Let me tell you, um, I know of a church that uh, a few years ago, um, they, they were looking at doing some changes. They, were ended up, they wanted to make some changes to the sanctuary and make some changes to what they were doing. And uh, they started. They started making those changes, and and the first change was something fairly simple. It was a matter of uh, moving a few of the pews, and maybe one day thinking about putting putting in some padded chairs or something. But they were just thinking about moving some pews at this point. And they started doing that, and immediately, the certain few people started getting upset about it. Started getting angry about it. And the pastor that was there saw, saw the people and how they were reacting. And, and this pastor got so scared, so scared of what people were thinking, so scared of, of what they would say and what they would do, and so scared that they were actually going to uh, take this pastor's job. Uh, the pastor thought that they would actually lose their job over this. That the pastor decided, no, I can't do this. I can't do this. We can't do these changes. We need to put everything back. We need to just, uh, we need to take a step back and we just need to leave it. So that's what they did. And uh, a few years went by and they started to lose influence. They lost some families. Um, and eventually it came time for that pastor to resign. And. That pastor waited and waited and waited until basically the last moment that they could resign. And they resigned, didn't give the church very long to find a new pastor. And because they resigned so late, they didn't end up finding a new church. And to my knowledge, that pastor, to even today, still hasn't found another church to pastor. Because they waited. They waited so long. 
Well, that church ended up getting a new pastor. And in the past few years of that new pastor has been there, not only have they done the, the simple changes that they had started years ago, but they did so much more. They actually totally renovated their sanctuary and totally renovated all kinds of different pieces in the church. And they're gaining influence and, and they're actually reaching more people and they're seeing their numbers grow. But because that pastor hesitated, doubted, got scared, that pastor never got to see the promise fulfilled. That pastor never got to see the changes. And the people that were faithful and in that church had to wait several years before they could see things change. And they had to lose families. And there were big costs because they had to wait. Now is the time to be faithful and follow through because we may never get another chance. It's a little bit like going to Frenchie's. You go to Frenchie's, you're there, and you're like, oh, I'm, oh, this is nice. This is nice. Oh, it's good. still got the tag on it. Can you believe it? It's still got the tag on it. Oh, look at that. That's nice. Is that a... It is. That's a Calvin Klein. That's a Calvin Klein. My goodness. What? This is $3. I can't leave this here. And you look at it and you're like, nah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'll go home and think about it and then I'll come back. And if it's here next week, I'll get it. I'll get it next week. Are you kidding me? Ed Frenchies, a Calvin Klein thing being there next week? Uh-uh. No way. Not going to happen. You see it there, you know you got to seize your moment. I know some of you that are watching this understand the dynamics of Frenchie shopping. I know. I've seen you there. You're, it's scary, some of you. Like you're, you got the system. You know how it works. That when you see it, you got to take advantage of it. Now is the time to seize your moment at Frenchie's. Am I right? Of course I'm right. Now, there are, there are certain steps that you take before you make the purchase, though, right? You look it over. You make sure that, okay, what kind of condition is it in? Is it in good condition? Do, uh, will it actually fit? Is it the right size? Some of you go, I better take a picture of this and send this to so-and-so and see if they'll actually wear it. Or, or I better go online and Google this item and figure out what it's really worth because it may look really good. It may look like something that's expensive, but it's actually brand new only two dollars and not really worth it and so you go on your phone and you google it and you check it out or you send them send a picture to so and so and say will you wear this what size do you wear you check all those things and then when everything aligns up you go yep this is coming home with me and you and if you want it you gotta take it home and if you don't take it home right then and there you're not taking it home you're not going to get another chance it's not going to be there when you come back and with some of the promises of God in our lives, is very similar. Now, again, sometimes grace comes in and, and God says, you know what, you waited too long, you messed up, here's another chance. And sometimes there's a big gap there. 
that says, yeah, I'm going to give you another shot, but you don't have to wait. And at other points, like with the Israelites, if you miss this moment, there is a very real possibility that you will never get another chance again. So, what do we do with this? Well, in facing this reality about the promises of God, I think there are three things we got to do. Number one is you've got to clarify the promise. Like going to Frenchies, checking the size, checking the quality, all this stuff. God told the Israelites, send spies into the promised land. Check it out. He had already said, I'm going to give this to you, but he, he, God says, test it. Clarify it. See it. Go check it out. And so when we have promises and we what we believe to be promises, whether there's personal or group promises, we need, it is our responsibility to clarify that, to check it out. And we do that, we do that by checking it with the Word of God. If it goes against the Word of God, then it pretty much guaranteed it is not of Him. If it goes against the fruit of the Spirit, if it goes against the, the kingdom of God, if it goes against holiness and the character of Christ, it probably isn't from God. And so that should be one of those things. You check it with Scripture. It means you've got to talk to people that are, are have proven to be faithful and wise and run it by them and run it by their discernment. It also means that you got to spend time in prayer and talking to God and hearing what He says to you. And, and you don't wait until there's a crisis. Wait until there's a promise to start praying and figure it out. You've got to have a prayer life. You've got to get to know God. You've got to be in the process of talking to God on a consistent basis before you can really know what it is he's saying around these things. But you got to be praying, you got to be checking with people who are wise and faithful and proven to be wise and faithful. And you got to compare it to the word of God and see what how it fits. So one you got to clarify the promise. The second thing you got to do is when you have it, you've got to be faithful and follow through. There may be challenges, there may be obstacles, there may be things that you're afraid of. But like Joshua and Caleb, they were ready. They said, I, we see these obstacles clearly. But we also know what God has called us to and what he has promised. And we need to be obedient. And if he's obedient, then those obstacles, we will, we will get through those. Those things will be taken care of. We can take those steps and God will provide. He will overcome and he will make a way and so we've got to be faithful and we've got to follow through and we've got to be obedient and we've got to be obedient in the little steps and the big steps and sometimes that's you need to talk to so-and-so you need to give up that thing you need to confess that thing you need to give this money to this person and it's all these little steps and then there are those big ones like it's time for you to move it's time for you to hire someone it's time for you to 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 change a ministry. It's time for you to, to change where you live. It's time for you to give up your car. It's time for you to change your job and those bigger things. And you got to be obedient in the small things and you got to be obedient in the bigger things. The third thing we've got to do after we clarify and are obedient is that we need to examine how we are influencing other people. One of the two spies, Caleb, was there and he was actively trying to convince people to be obedient and to be faithful. And 10 of the other spies were actively trying to convince people to rebel against God, to ignore God, and to go against the promise. Those 10, those ten men 
ended up being removed. They never saw the promise. They never saw the promise fulfilled. But because Caleb was faithful, he saw it. He had to wait. He had to live 40 years in the desert because the rest of the crew, the rest of the nation, the rest of the community didn't go along with it. And he had to suffer the consequences of that. Even though he was faithful, he had to suffer 40 years in the desert waiting for the promise. But he eventually did see the promise. And so even if, even if we are trying to lead people well and if we are trying to influence them to be obedient and faithful to God and faithful to God's promises, and to follow through. And nobody else is going along with it. We may not see it. We may not see it for a long time. But it's a better chance that we will eventually see the promise fulfilled. Even if we have to wait. And if we happen to be able to lead people well. And they follow. And we go together seeking God's promises and being obedient. And we will see Him fulfill His promises sooner than later. Now is the time to be faithful and follow through. Because there is no guarantee that we will ever get another chance. We may never get another chance. Now is the time to act. Now is the time to follow through. Now is the time to be obedient. Whether that's God calling you to make a change in your life about who you hang around with, who you're dating, what you do for your job, how you spend your money, what we do as a church, the ministries we, we do, ministries we don't do, how we're spending our money, what we as a community, what we as a nation do. It's important that whatever it is that God is calling us to be and to do, that now, now is the time to follow through and be faithful. Because we may never get another chance. Thanks for listening and being part of our church and joining us in this journey to become down-to-earth people following Jesus in down-to-earth ways.